Hi, welcome to another PSD cast from Power Systems Design. I'm your host, Alex Paul, and today I've got Rob McKeel. He's with GE Automation and Controls, and well, we're going to talk about industrial automation. Isn't that right, Rob? Welcome to the show. Thanks, Alex. Thanks. Happy to be here. Well, I'm very happy to have you here because industrial automation is growing and morphing in so many ways in the jet stream of the Internet of Things and cloud, and I mean, every buzzword you can think of is now starting to find itself attached to automation and industrial. What's your take on that? Yeah, look, I, I think, the, the, of course, the world's hearing a lot through, through various channels about the industrial Internet, the Internet of Things. Uh, you know, we at GE firmly believe that this is the next evolution of productivity for, uh, for, for the industrial space. You know, if you just look at all the productivity gained in, in commercial spaces and, and sort of the social spaces and all those areas, uh, not as much progress has been made in the, in the heavy industrial space. Yet the heavy industrial space is full of equipment that generates tons and tons of data, and that data hasn't been used as of yet today to draw significant insights. And we think the whole, the whole principle behind the industrial Internet is the fact that these, these machines have a lot to say, and mm-hmm. we're, not, we're not necessarily listening. And if we can get that insight from the machines, if we can really understand all of the data and insights that the machines can have and apply very intelligent algorithms to that, we can find another level of productivity for, uh, for the industry. Mm-hmm. So this is actually, uh, when, when you think about industrial automation and some of the developments, a lot of people are trying to develop working very hard on the control side. It sounds like this is a very big, big data analysis, intelligent management uh, value add. I, I think it's both, Alex. I think the uh, you know on the on the control side, you know the the every control system is built in with with certain tolerances or certain uh, certain safety built in because you want to make sure you protect the asset and the people around it. Uh, mm-hmm. And the more data you can have about the real world conditions that asset operates in, uh, in terms of its performance, norm, normal sensor data, temperature, pressure, those types of things. Uh, you can optimize that asset and how it performs. Maybe get a little bit more efficiency or productivity out of that asset through through uh, through algorithms and uh, and machine learning. So at the at the edge, we call it. So sort of in the in the controls, there's an opportunity to do more. We've uh, mm-hmm. you know we look at the concept of a digital twin, where you can simulate things on the uh, on the asset, uh, you know, and run through multiple simulations through machine learning, and then apply that to the asset to uh, to provide optimization. And then, then from a big data standpoint, you have the opportunity to take the information that's not necessarily available to the control system. So this could be weather information. This could be financial information on pricing of commodities or pricing of the output. And, and then tune, tune your operations around maximizing around those, uh, those, those outcomes, typically you know, op- optimizing around a, a business outcome like profitability. Now, that is a very interesting perspective, Rob. I mean, I... 90% of what you said I was expecting you to say, but that, I mean, because it's fulfilling a lot of the promises that have been coming along. And actually, the other part that I wanted to bring up specifically, uh, you said almost in passing, but it, I think it's a very critical aspect, is you could put data, non-machine performance data, like commodities pricing. I mean, one of the things that I'm fond of saying about the cloud is one day your washing machine is going to wait for the spot price of electricity and water before they wash your clothes. But if you're talking about an industrial-level process, just being able to optimize a few percent would be 
millions, if not billions, of dollars saved down the road. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And, and, and there's, there's interesting things you can do. We've, we've got an application we've, we've written around the, uh, the power generation side, which looks at turbine life versus commodity pricing and allows you to bank, you know, sort of bank life for use when you need it. So you can sort of overrun the turbine at times when electricity pricing is high, so you can optimize that, that opportunity for higher prices and then run it lower when prices are low and sort of bank, bank life of the turbine and, and, and use it in a unique way instead of just running it at steady state at all times. And that's by taking right. understanding of both the turbine's capabilities, you know, as it's installed for that particular utility, as well as, the, uh, of course, the, the price of electricity and, and the usage. Uh, you know, as, as you know, there's different peak cycles of, of electricity, and that drives different pricing, and you can help optimize mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. performance for a, for a given utility. You know, I think that, that, that piece of understanding how to drive the economics is, is extremely interesting. And to your example, you know, the, uh, the fact that everybody comes home at, at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock and turns on all their appliances and creates these peak loads on utilities, there'll be the opportunity as time goes forward for the user to make, maybe make more intelligent choices about when they use some of their high-power consuming utilities to optimize their own, their own personal bills. Mm-hmm. Well, and then it, it really starts to get intriguing how granular – you can go because optimally you could almost say, well, on a rainy day, because the turbines will be operating slightly more efficiently, we can balance that with the cost of the gas and the load and get insanely granular. Yeah, it gets even more complex in the, on the power generation side because a lot of the utilities now have choice, right? They can choose between different fuel consumption, gas, coal, nuclear. They can choose from renewables, wind or solar or hydro. So, they can sort of balance their, their, uh, their supply of electricity based on the cost of the, the different commodities or different inputs that they have in their, in their portfolio of generation assets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Um, do, you have, do you have any examples you could share? This sounds like such a such – a, it really is a, it's another level on top of what we've been doing. It's really, I really hope maybe you have, you have an example for us. Yeah, I gave, I gave you the example of, of, of sort of banking life uh, on, on a turbine. Right. I think that's, that's one that, that sort of plays to the power industry. You know, we've also done, uh, done work in, inside of our business, in the, in the, even in the healthcare industry, where we've used, uh, you know, essentially a secure health cloud platform, used our field agent product as a way to connect the, the assets in a hospital to that cloud uh, platform and allow the hospital to reduce its cost, you know, particularly around around improving the operating room efficiency. Uh, you know, the platform is called CareStation Insights, and it collects data from the different machines, in, in this case the, uh, the anesthesia machines, looking at trends and, and ways to, to understand availability of the machines and then uh, how well the machines are performing for, uh, for the hospital to manage its, its assets. So there's a very non, non-power case, but, but again, most businesses are looking, you know, they, they buy these very expensive assets, they put those assets to work for them, to, uh, to solve their particular business problem, and they're all not getting the full performance or the full capacity out of those assets. Having these insights by collecting information on how the asset's utilized and how the asset performs and where there may be waste in the system allows them to optimize that asset and get a better overall return on investment. Got it. Well, and, and it, one of the things that I'm fond of saying, Rob, is that no matter what you're politics or personal feelings or philosophies, when it comes down to the long green, a lot of people go ecological all of a sudden. 
Yeah, I, I think I, look, I think the 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 trade off between sort of conservatism and and profit in all cases. But I think the the idea here is is is, is given an asset, you know, you wanna you wanna get the most out of it, and and you may you may not even be just optimizing the asset. You may need to optimize it for your for your business, like we mentioned in the power case. And I just think it gives right. more flexibility to a business to understand how to how to utilize its capabilities in a very fast and rapidly changing business world. You know, as uh, as technology and innovation just keeps increasing pace here as we uh, as we go forward, people are looking for how they take advantage of that while while of course not having to 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 spend money on new assets every time something something changes. Right. Well, and, and let's not forget we're in a competitive business environment, Rob. That's one of the things I was thinking about is that if I'm in business and I've got competitors who have better metrics than I do, that's like being a general who's willing to go onto the battlefield and the opponent has reconnaissance and you do not. Yeah, look, I agree. I think best information makes the best decisions. And the more you exactly. can get access to that information, the better decisions you're going to make. But also the best analytics and algorithms help some of those decisions happen automatically. And that's where the, the automation piece comes in. And, and why we think bringing some of this capability down into the controls, you know, we have a, a product we call the control server, which is a blend between the control you know, application at a plant level and, mm-hmm. and sort of the cloud optimization piece It allows you to run the, the, the non-critical piece in, a, in a, uh, a virtual machine while you're running the critical piece in a protected and secure way uh, to allow that bridging between sort of the business analytics that maybe happen on, on hours of time loops versus the, uh, the millisecond uh, you know, precision required for controls. We've tried to blend those right. two, two worlds in our, in our technology. Got it, got it. And, and then that leads me to think towards disaster recovery, uh, you know, damage mitigation, everything else that comes on the positive safety side of all of that control and management and intelligence. Yeah, look, you, you never want to compromise the control. Like I said, the, the primary purpose of the controls is to, to optimize and protect the asset, uh, you know, and, and of mm-hmm. course the safety of the people around it. So you never want to compromise that. You also have the, the new threat of, of how do you make sure you maintain security of the asset, and, and, and of course, people have concerns as you know as you bring the uh, you know the cloud or, or you bring sort of an open network into play. Now you now you have another another piece to worry about, which is the security of the asset. Uh, and we've we've taken a very uh, a very intentional approach to how we build security into uh, into our sol- solutions and products to help protect uh, protect customers. And that's part of our part of our whole digital thrust across GE with our GE digital businesses is to include that capability to have inherent intentional security built into the products and solutions. Well, yeah, security is a given. You have to have security in the system nowadays. It's ridiculous to even contemplate. And unfortunately, there are, there are organizations out there where safety is a secondary and it's beginning to show cracks. Yeah, I think I think the uh, look. There's a there's a lot of smart people who try to turn their, their smarts into uh, into intentional harm, uh, and we just got to make sure we protect from that. So so we build in that capability of of both separation, you know, in terms of protection, redundancy, in terms of reliability, and then uh, again, world leading cybersecurity capabilities into the product to to protect it from intentional harm. Right, right. Now. Um how wide do the ripples go? How big of a supporting infrastructure does GE provide? 
Yeah, it really it really depends on, uh, on 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 the type of service. I mean, we we go everywhere from providing a product for others to to implement and integrate into their system to a complete uh, sort of system as a service capability where we provide uh, uh, the cloud-based services to the customers and and then just you know provide them back the insights or the uh, the uh, the decision making that they need to need to take on board to to optimize whatever process or or application they may they may be deploying. So it's a broad range depending on. The engagement that we would have with the uh, with the customer. Mm-hmm. So, um, how do people get involved? Where can they go to get more information? They just walk in the front door. Is there a website, uh, email, yeah. anything they can use? Yeah, two 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 ways. I mean, two two sort of entry points. If if you want to see the sort of broad digital story, so the industrial internet story that GE is uh, is is promoting, you can go to GE Digital, all one word, dot com. And specifically to bring it down to the controls and automation, it's geautomation, all one word, dot com. Excellent. Now, Rob, before I let you go, I always let my guests have the last word on my program. So it could be a little bit more about the product palette or associated products and services. Uh, it could be more about the company or just a tip for our audience. But the floor is yours. Yeah, look, I, I, I'd say this, this trend towards the industrial Internet, the Internet of Things is real. I think uh, you mentioned it very well, Alex, in the sense that the world's getting more competitive and, and everybody's looking for that competitive advantage and, and access to data and, and uh, analytics around data are going to be one of those differentiators. We think we've got a great suite, suite of products all the way from, from unit controls to plant controls to, to integration with the cloud with our industrial Internet control system solution. And we're looking to partner with customers to find those areas where they can, uh, they can find that, that, that piece of optimization or that piece of competitiveness that maybe they didn't have in the past. So, you know, we look forward to, uh, to working with, with many people around the world. We've touched several industries already, and, uh, and we've seen great results in terms of productivity and, uh, and, and asset performance through, uh, through our industrial Internet control system. Well, hey, Rob, I am really glad you came on the show because, well, as we both addressed. This is a huge machine with a lot of complicated moving pieces. And the better an oversight and the better control you have, the better off you are. So I'm really glad you came and enlightened our audience about a lot of this out there. Uh, thanks for having me. It was great to be here. Oh, and I've got to bring you back because this is a moving target, okay? All right. Sounds good. Excellent, Rob. And I'd like to thank everybody in, out there in the audience for taking the time to be with us. We wouldn't be here without you. Tell your friends. This is Alex Paul for Power Systems Design. Have a great day.